This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We're discussing today the number 10, principle number 10, of the 30 principles of faith. And principle number 10 is a very, very fascinating principle. And that is Hashem knows what we are thinking. Oh boy. It's very interesting and very fascinating. How does Hashem know what we're thinking? And the, and the answer is amazing because He's amazing. Hashem is amazing. Hashem created us and He knows what we're thinking. He's the, this is the only animamin that quotes a pasuk. And uh, it's interesting because why the Rambam writes uh, the 30 principles of faith, he doesn't normally quote the v- verses. He actually quotes a verse. So let's read, the, let's read this in Hebrew first and then we'll explain it. Animamin, I believe, with perfect faith, that the Creator of Blessed Name he knows all the deeds of people. He knows all their thoughts as well. It says, I guess it's from the Tehilim. Hashem knows, Hashem created all their hearts, and Hashem understands all their deeds. So why does the Rambam have to bring a verse to support himself? So it seems like it's very controversial over here. Normally the Rambam doesn't bring any verses to support himself. He just tells you, I believe in so-and-so. That's it. No verses. Over here brings a verse. And this also mentioned in the Adon Alam. Sorry, in the Yigdal. We say in Yigdal. He sees and he knows our hidden things. And he sees from the beginning, he sees the end already. When he sees the beginning of something, he really sees the end as well. He knows the beginning and the end. So Hashem knows all our deeds. And he does not hide his eyes from them. He sees everything. <clears throat> not like the one who says that Hashem left the world. He created the world and left it. No. Hashem is very, very involved in the world. Hashem knows everything that's going on. And uh, we're going to talk about the next. The next uh, principle is Hashem rewards and punishes. So this is very critical. So that Hashem knows everything. He cannot hide anything from Hashem. Hashem knows all our thoughts all our deeds, all our actions. And where do we see this? Number one is we see about Avraham Avinu. Hashem chooses Avraham from all the other people in the world. And he says, Ki yedativ, I know him. That he will teach his children after him. Right? Mm-hmm. So Hashem is saying, I know Avraham. I know I can see Avraham. I can see his heart. I can see what he's going to do in the future. I can see all his deeds. What is he going to do? He's going to teach his children after him to do Two things. Righteousness and justice. And that's why Hashem chose us as a Jewish people. He chose Abraham Avinu because of these two things. He saw, I know that he's going to do these things. And we say in the Machzor, right? We say this on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We have in the Zichronot, which is part of the Shemona Esrei, the Zichronot. You remember, you remember, you remember the deeds of the world. And you pay attention to all the creatures. All the hidden things are revealed before you. From Breshit, from the beginning. And there's no forgetfulness before your throne. And nothing is hidden from your eyes. So we say this now in our Makhstor. It's a very terrifying kind of prayer. Hashem knows everything. And if you don't say that, then you're forced to say that there's no justice. Hashem doesn't know what's going on. There's no justice. So we're forced to say Hashem knows everything and that is 
the source of justice. Okay, this is now we're moving on to Bistilat Yisharim, which is a path of the just written by Rabbi Shachayim Luzato in the 1700s. And Rabbi Shachayim Luzato was a very, very famous Kabbalist at a very early age, um, 17, some people say, and he started writing books. He wrote about 60 books. A lot of his books were burnt because they suspected him of being a follower of Shabbat Tzvi, which he wasn't. And he had to they put him in Kherim and he ran away to Amsterdam. And that's where he was, he just died. He died going to Israel, actually. He died in Israel. He made Aliyah and he died over there. So, he says in Mishra Yishri, it sounds like Hashem is critical. He's judging us. He knows what's going on. And the answer is, it works for us as well, he says. Because Hashem does not forget even the smallest good deed. Even the smallest good thought. That's why it's so important to have good thoughts. Where do we see in Pirkei Avot, it tells us about a good thoughts. So it says, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka had five students. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka had five students. Who are the five students? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka. Let's go. Huh? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka. Great, Rabbi. Rabbi. He was the student of students. So it says, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka had five. It's amazing. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka, it says, was a student of Hillel. Hillel had 80 students. 80 students. The greatest of all the 80 students was Rabbi Yonatan ben Uziel. The greatest of the 80 students. He's buried in Amuka. You ever been to, anyone been to Amuka? I've been to Amuka. I've been to Amuka a few times. Amuka is in the Galil. In the Galilee, it's a very deep valley. That's what Amuka means. Amok means deep. Okay. It's a very deep valley. You have to go down the hills, mountains, going round and down and down and down, and down. Until some rich guy built a road. Baruch Hashem. I don't know why. He donated a road. Imagine. Can you imagine donating a road? He built a road down to the valley. And uh, there's no lights there. and It's not on the grid. It's far away in the valley. There's no grid. There's no electricity. So you, if you want to be there at night, it's pretty spooky. Or you take with your generator. So I used to go with the yeshiva. We used to bring 10 guys with a generator. We used to pray all night. We used to pray all night and do shacharit over there. And you hear the hyenas and the jackals in the valley. Of, yeah. It's very... Uh, and uh, then you hear Breslov. Come out! And all the run, they all run away. Amazing. Amazing. Basically, the darkness, the pitch black valley. There's some guy over there meditating. Middle of the night. Amazing. It's a really amazing experience. So, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was one of the 80 students of Hillel. Hillel had 80 students. He was the smallest of the 80 students. The biggest was Rabbi Yochanan ben Uziel. It says when he learned Torah, there was a fire coming up, a pillar of fire over his head, whatever that means. And uh, he's the rabbi who people go to for Shiduchim. You want to get a shidduch, you go to Amuka. You go pray in Amuka. I know people actually met on the on the bus. There. Um, we have a couple from. Uh, I remember our hours. Her daughter met her husband on the bus in Amuka, and they're still married. Baruch Hashem. They're living in Israel. Baruch Hashem. Amazing stories. Um, I know my two daughters went, and they both got married very shortly after. Baruch Hashem. And my nieces also all got married. Went to Amuka. But I've still got a son who's not married and he's went to Amuka a few times. So, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't work for everyone. It doesn't work for everyone, I guess. I don't know. A lot of Where's people work for it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> okay. He, okay. So, Mr. Adi Sharif. So, uh, Rav Yochan ben Zaki had five students. And these five students, we get the whole Torah from his five students. All these five students. And the students of his students. So, Rav Yochan Rabbi, uh, Yo, uh, Rabbi, uh, sorry, Rabbi Lezeb and Hurkanus. 
who was one of his five students, and Rabbi Shua ben Hananiah were the rabbis of Rabbi Akiva. So two of his students taught Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was four generations from Hillel. Hillel, Rabbi Yochum ben Zakkai, Rabbi Yezzeh, Rabbi Yoshua, and then Rabbi Akiva. Four generations from Hillel. Okay. So anyway, Masilat Yishari quotes, and he says, it sounds like Hashem remembers everything. It's bad. No, he says. It's good. Why is it good? Hashem remembers the good as well. Everything we do, even the smallest good things. I heard the story once. I don't know how true it is. He says a person got passed away and after 120 years, and he gets judged in Shemayim. They're judging him. And the, his demerits are more than the merits. And the scales are tilted to bad. So finally, there's an angel who runs in. He said, what about the mud on his shoes when he walked to shul? Add the mud on the, on the scales. You don't do anything out of it. People don't realize what a great mitzvah it is just to walk to shul. Every step is a schar mitzvah. Every step is a schar pesiot. It's a step in the right direction. Every person takes a step in the right direction to get a reward for that step. And the wetter it is, and the, and the snow, if it's snow, and if it's mud, you get more reward. The more reward it is. Maybe it adds up. So even the smallest good things that we do. Person, you know, the, 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 the Baal Shem Tov says, person is doing something bad, but they're sighing. I don't really want to do this, Hashem. And a person sighing, why do I have to do that? I wish I didn't have to do this. Hashem counts that sigh. That's a tremendous, that's a tremendous reward for that sigh. So Hashem remembers the good, but he remembers the bad. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Okay. So... So just because he remembers the bad doesn't mean he remembers the good. He remembers the good as well. That's what a person is going to think. It's not all bad. There's good things as well, Hashem remembers. And Hashem takes even the smallest things into account. Hashem remembers every detail of how we do a mitzvah. And so Masilah Hashem says an amazing thing. If, if a person does a mitzvah with joy, it's worth thousands of times as much as a mitzvah without joy. Thousands of times. You can't imagine. A person keeps Shabbat. They keep Shabbat. Eh, I don't keep Shabbat. They keep a Shabbat with gusto and they want to cook for Shabbat and they're pleading for Shabbat. My wife is the opposite of many women. Why? She enjoys cleaning for Pesach. I never see anything like my life, I tell you. Let's go away. No. I want to stay home. I enjoy Pesach. And this is part of my enjoyment of doing the mitzvah. This is a, this is a great woman. So... Uh, she enjoys cleaning for Pesach. She gets it from her mother and her grandmother and great-grandmother. So, how many women enjoy cleaning for Pesach? But you remember, Arizal says, the more, the more you sweat, the more there is mitzvah. The more sweat. He would sweat for the mitzvah and he would wipe his forehead because it says one's deeds are written on one's forehead. So he wipe the foreheads with the sweat. And the tears, if you're crying over mitzvah, he wipes his foreheads. It's good to remember. Just take the tears and wipe your forehead. Um, we get it from a pasuk in Yechezkel where the angel puts a big tuff on the people who are going to die. So, so wipe the forehead. The forehead uh, we had a doctor in the shul, he says, the person is born with the expiration date over here. <laughs> Everyone has born with the expiration date. So, so Arisa says that. So, so use, use the sweat for a mitzvah or tears for a mitzvah to wipe out. Anyway, so uh, Hashem remembers the bad, but also Hashem remembers the good. Hashem remembers every detail of a mitzvah that we do. And therefore, it's very important to every detail we do, every small part of the mitzvah, Hashem remembers. And he remembers especially the attitude towards the mitzvah. And a person's attitude is very, very important. Hashem rewards a person for an attitude. And that's what we see. Zacharti la chesed Hashem says, I remembered 
Chesed Ureich, the, the, the kindness of your youth. You walked after me in the desert. No, nothing growing over there. Imagine the Jews left Egypt and they go into the desert. You know how much faith that took to take your children and your wives and your cattle and everything into a desert? And there's no, nothing growing there. What are you going to do? Who's going to support me? Hashem says to go. Okay, I'm going. Into the desert. Hashem says, I remember that. That reward for you is tremendous. I remember that you went into the desert. Right? It's like a person gets married, nothing in his pocket, and the wife, she marries him with the faith that he's going to make it somehow. That's, uh, that wife, you want a wife, that wife should be rewarded with long life. The wife should get long life and happiness in the marriage. Because she sacrificed so much to be with the guy. So anyway, so very, very critical. Hashem remembers every little detail of the mitzvah. And we have to understand that reward for a mitzvah is going to last us a lifetime and beyond. That is our true That is the true retirement fund. What is your true retirement fund? What we are doing now is our true retirement fund. The reward for this will last in this world and the next world. And the next world is very long. It's eternity. It's going to last a long time. So the stock market goes up, the stock market goes down. One thing is a constant when you store up in the next world. That's a constant. Hashem rewards. And that reward is earning interest payments. You eat the interest payments in this world. It says, but the main part of the reward is, is stored in the next world. Hashem remembers every detail of how we do a mitzvah. If we would appreciate that a mitzvah would last for posterity, we would do them very carefully. It would be contrary to the truth for Hashem to ignore the small things that we did. So everything is recorded. Everything is. And Hashem remembers. So, but the only good thing is there's a thing called teshuva. A person can rewrite history. Imagine. It's impossible. Logically, teshuva is impossible. You can't rewrite history. But in God's world, we can rewrite history by doing Teshuvah. Amazing. Because he thinks in his head, Hashem, I'm sorry, I did this. Hashem says, okay, no problem, I'll erase it for you. Pat it, how do you do that? That's amazing. That's the power of Teshuvah. And that's why a person should never give up hope. Never give up hope because there is Teshuvah. There is Teshuvah. Never give up hope. There is Teshuvah. And Ramam says, even a person was evil all their lives, and the last minute of their life they did Teshuvah, that's how they came. They accepted in Lama. It's a tremendous thing. It's an amazing thing. Okay, I want to go now to Sefer Achinuch. This is uh, the book of education, amazing, written anonymously. We don't know who wrote it. Um, it's written for the youth of Spain. He writes in his introduction, I'm writing this for the youth of Spain who are playing soccer, you know, soccer, some kind of game with a ball, on Shabbat. So this is for them to study on Shabbat. So he wrote it on the Parish of the Week. So you can buy it, you can get it today. It's written in Hebrew and English, somewhere over here, um, behind me. And it's called the Book of Education. And it goes through the mitzvah of the Torah according to the parsha. Every parsha has a mitzvah. It goes through the mitzvah, explains the mitzvah in a beautiful way. So here, this is mitzvah. He explains mitzvah number 169. And look what he says. And we, people who have the true religion, right? we have to realize Hashem's hashgacha, divine providence. Hashem puts His divine providence over everything. So, this, this is actually a very big machlok between the Rambam and the Ramban. If there is, Hashem's providence is over the animals as well. So he says, yes, even over the animals. In other words, the lion is hungry. Which antelope is the lion going to eat? Hashem chooses. It's all hashgacha. Everything is under divine providence. How come he ate this one? He can eat that one. 
So that's the opinion of Ramban, and that's the opinion over here in the Sefer Chinuch. Whereas Rambam holds that Hashem does not pay attention uh, to the uh, Ashkach of animals, which animal survives, which animal doesn't survive. And was the lion's hungry, which animal? The no, no, closest one. Hashem doesn't worry about that. He worries about people, yes. Yes. So how do we know that it's like How do we know it's reliable? Because it's been accepted throughout the centuries and everyone learns it. Everyone studies it. And it's, it's printed by Feldheim. What more do you want? So, <laughs> so it's, a, it's a tradition. Tradition is it's a very reliable book. It's studied in Shibod. So written anonymously because number one is when you write a book with your name on it, you can always be held up to certain things you said, right? Uh, number two is he didn't want credit. He didn't want to take credit, so he was very humble to not put his name on it. But we have suspicions. It was written by Rabbi Bachia ibn Pahuda. We think, we don't know. Who was the author of Chuvat Alevavot? We don't know for sure. So, but it was written by a very reputable person. It was given down through the centuries. It's been in existence for the last, uh, what, how many years now? Well, since the 1300s. So you're talking about 700 years old. 700 years. It's been studied for 700 years. And he quotes the Rambam. Most of the time it's quoting Rambam. Most of the time. So he said, look what he says. He says, we have to know that there's Hashkecha. Hashem knows what's going on completely in all the creatures that he created. So Hashem makes the world continue. And every single human being has Hashkecha. Every single human being has divine providence because Hashem understands what we're doing all the time. And this is what we are. We accept it from our Gedolim, from our rabbis above us. And we find this in many psukim, this concept of uh, Hashem knows what's going on, Hashem is controlling the world. We find in many different verses scattered over the, over the Torah. So we have to know that Hashem knows exactly what's going on. A person is having a bad day, Hashem knows exactly what's going on. So a person should pray and ask Hashem to change their day and not give up hope. Uh, we find the famous story of Hizkiyahu Melech. Hizkiyahu Melech, it says, was dying. He was the king of, of Judah, was dying, very big tzaddik. And Hashem sends the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, go and tell him he's going to die. <laughs> well, he's dying already. <laughs> Just rub it in. You're going to die. He says, you know why you're going to die? He says, why? Because you never got married. This Kiyal, the king, you never got married. This Kiyal, this king says, but I have Ruach HaKodesh. He's a holy man. I have Ruach HaKodesh. I see that my children are going to be evil. The reason why I didn't get married, I don't want to have evil children. Prophets, the prophet says, you just do your mitzvah and don't figure out the hidden things. You're not, allowed, you're not allowed to worry about hidden things. That's God's plan. You worry about you worry about yourself. You have a mitzvah to get married, you get married. So he says, Isaiah the prophet, you have a daughter, let me marry your daughter. With my merit and your merit, the children of Israel will be sadiqim. So, he so Isaiah says, too late. You're going to die. That's it. Hashem says you're going to die. He says, I have a tradition from my, from my great-grandfather, David HaMelech, that even as a sword is at your throat... If you turn your face to the wall and pray, you can change the gazira. You can change the decree. So it says he's praying, and Isaiah well, walked out. Isaiah said, no hope, this guy's going to die. Walks out. On the way out, he gets a message from God. God says, go back in and tell him he's going to live. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows in a second a person can change the, the gazira. A person can change the decree against them. The decree against them through their tefillah and through their, whatever, their suffering. Hashem can change the decree. He marries Yeshayahu's daughter. He marries Isaiah's daughter. And the children are still evil. And Asher, the king, was evil. And the other son died. 
and it destroyed us. Really destroyed us. Well, one of the reasons why the second temple, the first temple, was destroyed, because the evil of Benasher, the son of Yeshay, Chizkiyahu. So it's amazing. His father was such a big tzaddik, and his son was such a big rasha. But even then, the, the, this rasha, this son who reigned the longest in, the, in Jewish history, he was the longest reigning king, and he did teshuva. And uh, there's a whole big discussion in the Talmud: was his teshuva accepted or not? Because the Mishnah says he was not. His tissue was not accepted. Mishnah. But the Talmud says, one of the opinions of the Talmud says, Hashem had to make a special entrance for his tissue. The angels tried to block it, because of all the evils he did, and Hashem had to make a special entrance for his tissue. can, person can do tissue, there's always hope for tissue. So Hashem knows the bad, but Hashem also knows the good. And everyone's different. We all have different levels of Yetzirah. That's why we cannot judge people. Only, only Hashem can judge people. Really, the truth is, only Hashem knows what's going on in a person's head. Only Hashem knows how to judge. We can only see with our eyes, it says. Adam roe be'enayim. A person sees with their eyes. The court, the court, the bedin, can only see with their eyes. We don't know what's going on in a person's head. Right? We just see the evidence around the person, what happened, who said what, this one, that. We don't know what the truth is. We just approximate the truth. Hashem knows the truth. No one else knows the truth. So it's very important to know that there is such a thing called Hashgacha Pratit. And Hashem is involved in every person's life to the extent that they allow him to be involved. That's interesting. If you let him in, he'll come in. If you don't let him in, that was the Kotzka Rebbe, right? He says, where is Hashem? Rebbe, you let him in. He'll be there. Right? But if you don't pay attention to Hashem, Hashem says, okay. If you, if you walk with me, Bakeri, Bakeri. I will also walk with you, Bakeri. If you walk with me with chance, I will also walk with you with chance. If you believe in evolution, I also, okay, your life will also evolve. You know, famous story, it says, um, husband and wife, right? So the husband is teaching his children evolution. You're all descended from apes. So the kid goes to his mother, he says, Ma, this is true. Daddy says, we're all descended from apes. And Ma says, that's his side of the family. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about his side of the family. <laughs> so we Jews don't believe in, there's two things, there's macroevolution and there's microevolution. Microevolution we believe in, everyone's changing. Society is changing, and people are changing, and things are happening. That's microevolution. We don't believe in macroevolution, which is the whole world started with something small and, and evolved and whatever. But, uh, never happened. We believe that Adam was created a human being from day one. And he was like a 40-year-old man, he says. He was created like a 40-year-old man. The first trees in Ganeden were fully grown. They weren't uh, little saplings. So that's the question. What came first, the chicken or the egg? And the answer is, quickly. The chicken. It can't be an egg. Why not? Because an egg needs to be hatched. Who's going to sit on the egg? So first, it's not a question. The chicken or the egg? The chicken came first, of course. So we believe in Hashem Ha'apratit. We believe Hashem is there. Hashem is watching. Hashem knows everything. As David Amelov says in Psalm 23, Hashem is your shadow. Hashem is with you. He's your shadow. He's, he's walking around with you. Imagine a person says, where is Hashem? Where is Hashem? That's called Hester Panim. We're going to talk about that when we come to Purim. It's actually a good topic for Purim. Hester Panim is Hashem's face is hidden. What does that mean? So Rabbi say he's there. You just can't see him. He's hiding behind a curtain. In a sense. It's hidden behind a curtain and you have to open your eyes and see Hashem. And uh, that's the famous uh, psalm of uh, Esther. What psalm did Esther? What psalm was Esther? Quickly. Quickly, quickly. Come on, quickly. I think it's Psalm 22. 
it's just before Mazmor David, right? Psalm 22. It's Ayelet uh, HaShachar. Psalm of Ayelet HaShachar. Who's Ayelet HaShachar? The rabbi says Esther. Eli, Eli, Lama Azavtani. My God, my God, why have you left me? Why have you left me, Hashem? You put me in this lunatic's palace. I'm, 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 he's, a, he's raping me every night, this lunatic. I don't want to be near this guy. He's a, he's a madman. Get me out of here, Hashem. It's terrible. I'm a married woman, I'm a Jewish woman, I'm a religious woman, and this guy takes me into his, his harem, and he chooses me to be his wife. I don't want to be here. Why, Hashem? Why have you done this to me? Why? But eventually she understood. She had the power to change him. She had the power to change history. And she saved the Jewish people. So that's Hashka Chapratit. It's terrible. It's, sometimes it works, you know. This person is chosen for the wrong. They think the wrong thing, but really Hashem is choosing them for a certain thing. So certain process it's a very rough I'll tell you the story I'll tell you when I read that story I feel so sorry for that girl we read it like Purim right? we're all happy right but really it's Esther's epitaph Megillat Esther is her that's, that's her remembrance that's her remembrance because she left no Jewish children even though her child was Jewish it wasn't really Jewish it was more, more Persian than Jewish so that was her epitaph really Megillat Esther we read Megillat Esther we have to think about the, the sacrifice of Esther Esther sacrificed herself for the Jewish people Amazing, amazing. But that's also Hashgacha. That's, that's the hiddenness of Hashem's face. We don't see Hashem's face. Today we're starting to see a little. Now we're seeing the state of Israel. It's amazing. I was reading yesterday, my, my son was reading about Herzl. Now, we, now usually people hate his Herzl. He's secular, he started a Zionism, secular Zionism. But look at his life. He, he never had any religion in his life. He wasn't taught religion. Not his fault. You can't blame the man. It wasn't his fault. Not like he was anti-religious. He never learned religion. He was living in a very assimilated Vienna. Right? Vienna. Who, who comes from Vienna? Anyone over here from Vienna? Vienna was a very, very assimilated place. The Aust- Austrian Empire. And uh, what's his name? Josef. Uh, the Habsburg Empire. Come on, guys. Anyone here learn history? European history? <laughs> so, um, they were very, very assimilated. The Jews in Austria and Germany were very, very 70% intermarriage rates. 70% intermarriage rates. So he is one of the... A newspaper reporter. Can you imagine? He's a very brilliant newspaper reporter. They love him. They love his uh, reporting. And he goes to France and he sees the Dreyfus... Have you heard Dreyfus? Dreyfus, uh, Dreyfus trial. Where this Jew was picked on by the French as a traitor. And he sees his epaulets being ripped off his uniform and his sword broken in half. And the guy is screaming, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. And no one believes him. But Hutzel believes him. Right. So they're picking on him because he's a Jew. It's the anti-Semitism. We're never going to be safe anywhere. There are anti-Semites everywhere. The only way we're going to be safe is if we have our own country. And this is coming from a very assimilated person. But doesn't have any Torah. No idea of Torah at all. And he goes back and he writes this pamphlet saying this, that the Jews only have safety in a place where they call their own. They need to go back to their own country, where they came from. And he becomes the laughingstock of, of Austria. All the Jewish community in Austria hate him. They make a mockery of him. And from being the most uh, beloved newspaper reporter, he becomes the, uh, an object of the disdain. And uh, so really he gave up a lot. But what happened was, his pamphlet went a- abroad. And the Jews in the East... In Poland and in uh, Russia, we're, we're excited to read it. So it's amazing. I was reading it just about his, his funeral. And you see, it's like a small little tiny funeral. And all of a sudden it says that all the trains were packed. 
all the railroad stations, all these people started coming from the, from the east. All the Poland, Russia, all they started coming into this place. Like a million people came to, came to Austria for his funeral. It was meant to be a very tiny... People can believe their eyes. They never saw a funeral like this. And they were crying like... So it's amazing what impact the man had. Okay, we don't know how God works. We have no idea what God's plans are. But I think it's wrong to knock him all the time. They knock him and they... It's not his fault, he was, but he had good ideas. And uh, he tried what he, whatever he knew, he, he kept. Whatever he knew, he kept. So I don't know. That's, uh, that's my perspective, my humble perspective. I don't think we should knock him, at least. I'm not, I'm not pro-secular Zionism, but I, I see that the guy had what he, he, ran, he ran with his instincts. He knew this anti-Semitism, and what do we do about it? Okay. So in the end, I think history proves he's right, in a sense. I think he's proven right. Anyway, let's move on. So here, the, this is where in the Rambam, in Hechot Teshuva. In Hechot Teshuva, Shema Tomar. If you say, Hello, HaKadosh Baruch Yodea, Kol Hashem knows the future. And Hashem knows what we're going to do. Hashem knows who's going to be good. Hashem knows who's going to be bad. If He knows, right? What, where's our free choice? This is a famous question, philosophical question that Rambam asked. If Hashem knows the future... Where's our free choice? Hashem knows what I'm going to choose. Where's my free choice? He knows what I'm going to do. So the answer is very simple. Hashem knows we don't know. Even though Hashem knows what I'm going to do, I don't know what I'm going to do. And if I still have my free choice. If I knew what, I, what, I, what Hashem knows, I wouldn't have a free choice. I'd say, look, I've been into the future. I've seen what I'm going to do. So that's what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is fate. And a lot of religions believe in fate. Everything is fate. But Hashem doesn't rule us and tell us what to do. Hashem gives us free choice. Hashem knows what we're going to choose. But we still have free choice. Why? Because we don't know what Hashem knows. We don't know what Hashem knows. So even though, let me give an example. Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people, I know in the future you're going to sin. I know Hashem's going to scatter you in the four corners of the world. Imagine, look at, the, look at this. We have this prediction, Hashem. Hashem gave the prediction. Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, I know you're going to sin. You're going to be scattered in the four corners of the world. And I'm going to bring you back again. That's amazing. Amazing. How do you say that? I mean, thousand years. He encapsulated thousands of years of Jewish history. Right? 3,000 years of Jewish history in one phrase. Amazing. Amazing. But no one knows when and no one knows how. We still have free choice. How do we have free choice? We know the end. We know what's going to happen. We just don't know when. We don't. Look, even now, we're towards right near the end of the, the story, and we still don't know when and we don't know how. It's amazing. We're right near the end of everything. We're the, one of the last generations. Think about it. We're one of the last generations in, this, in the world as we know it. But we still don't know when and we don't know how. So we're still asking, you know, what's going on? Uh, just yesterday, they, they shot down an Israeli airplane. We don't know where, we don't know how. We don't know. We know what's going on. So... There's something with, so even though Hashem knows, that's the Rambam says, even though Hashem knows, it doesn't affect our free choice. We don't know. We don't know. Okay. So this is a very complicated philosophy, philosophical idea. Hashem knows what we're up to. Hashem rewards us, Hashem punishes us according to what He knows. Everything, Hashem knows everything. Hashem knows the thoughts of people. So on a deeper level, Hashem is talking about Hashem's knowledge. On a deeper level, it's talking about Hashem being connected to us. What do you mean he's, he knows? How does he know? And the answer is he's connected to us. He's in our brains. 
Hashem is in our brains. How is Hashem in our brains? Because our neshama is a part of Hashem. Right? You created it, you stood, and you blew it into my soul, my nostrils. Right? Where do we get our neshama from? It says that man was created from. Who's awake over here? I'm putting everyone to sleep. From the earth, thank you. Adam is created from Adama. That's where Adam, the word Adam came from, right? And what does Hashem do? He blew into his nostrils the breath of life. So there's a very famous Rav Chaim Velazhin. Rav Chaim Velazhin in, in Nefesh Chaim says that he gives an analogy of a glass blower. You know, in the old days, how they blew glass. They'd have this long tube and put a glob of, of, of raw glass, of, of molten glass, and they blow into it to make a vessel. He says when the, when, the, when the blower is blowing in, he's blowing in his own breath. And he makes the, he creates, I said, that's the analogy Hashem blew his breath into Adam's soul. So that breath is still in the person. Mm-hmm. The breath that Hashem blew, so it's Hashem's breath. So how does Hashem know what we're doing? The answer is because Hashem is in us. <laughs> Hashem is part of our daily routine. How's that? And that's why it's so easy to talk to Hashem. He's in us. You can talk to Hashem in your mind. How come? He's there. Hashem's in your mind. He's there because he, part of the neshama is Hashem. So when, Hashem, when it says Hashem knows our deeds, it means Hashem is part of us. Hashem is connected to us. So closely connected to us. It's a concept which we know the Hashkecha. Hashem is involved with us. Rabbi? Yes. So is that how we're all connected to each other? 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's why Hashem does not like Lashon mm-hmm. Don't talk bad about people. Why? Because I created him as well. Right. You're related to him. He's your brother. He's your sister. You're talking about my my child. So don't be careful. Don't talk about my child. How would you like someone talks about your children? Hashem says, I I don't like it when you talk about my child. Don't talk bad about people. So we're all connected. Uh, So we're all connected through Hashem. We're all brothers and sisters. B'nai Yisrael, we're the children of Israel, number one. We're the children, descendants of Israel. We're all the sons of Israel. We're all the children of Israel. That connects us. Physically, that connects us through genetics. But also, we're the children of God. And how do we know we're the children of God? Yesterday's parasha, right? The slave, he says, no, I want to serve more than seven years. What it has to do? They pierce his year. Why they pierce his year? It's the year that he heard of Sinai. He didn't listen to the time. Abadimhe. Hashem says. You are my servants, Hashem says. No one else's. Yes. I'm having a problem. Yes. If Hashem knows the end, yeah, and it's just that we don't know, I don't know that that gives us free choice. 100%. In fact, he is he is in charge of the end product. Yes. So where is our choice? Our choice is how do we get there? Are we going to be part of it or not? Let me give you an example. So there's uh, two battles. There's a battle going on, right? Two armies, right? And you're in one army, and, you're, and the other guy's in the other army, and you're fighting. But you can fight well, or you can fight not well. You can say, you know what, let me take a break now, let me go to the back line, and let the other guys fight. Right? And you win. And how much of that win was part of your contribution? Not much. Okay. <laughs> so Hashem says, you know what, in the end, we know who's going to win. Good's going to beat evil. We know that in the end, right? The question is, how much did I put into that process? That's your free choice. The end result is going to be the end result. Mashiach is going to come, whether you like it or not. The question is, how much did you put in with yourself into that process? And that's the question. And that's the reward and punishment. That's where reward and punishment comes in. 
Because the end result is going to happen anyway. It's going to happen today, tomorrow, the day after. It also depends on us. Because we can bring Mashiach earlier, right? Be'ita Achishena. We can bring it when it's time. Achishena. Hashem says, I can bring it earlier. If all the Jews did Teshuvah and all the Jews kept two Shabbatot, it says. That's all it takes to bring Mashiach. So all the Jews keep two Shabbats. But try and get all the Jews to keep two Shabbats. In a row. In a row. Makes it harder, right? <laughs> but uh, that's all it takes. So where were you in the process? The process is going to happen. Where were you in the process? That's the question. That's the free choice. So what is going to be is going to be. For sure it's going to be. Mashiach is going to come whether you like it or not. Uh, the world is going to be fixed whether you like it or not. It's going to happen. The question is where were you in that process? That's what I was going to ask you. But I knew you were going to win in the end, Hashem. I knew your plan was going to come true in the show. But where were you? You were meant to be part of that plan. Why were you not part of that plan? I was part of the plan, but I didn't just didn't do 100% of my abilities. Well, that's the problem. You've got to do 100% of your abilities. It's so hard to do 100% of your abilities. And that's the uh, Pirkei Avot says, right? It says that the, it gives a comparison of workers and the owner, right? The owner comes along. Okay, you guys, you've got a certain amount of work to do today, and the, and the workers are lazy. Mm-hmm. It's the same story. We're working for Hashem. And the workers are lazy. And the Balabite Dukhek and the owner saying, Keep moving, keep moving, go faster, faster. The workers. Yeah. And she said, Bring Mashiach faster, bring Mashiach faster. Which was lazy. No, I'd rather go to Macy's. I gotta go here, I gotta go there. <laughs> Hashem, I'm busy. I'm sorry, I'm busy right now. Shabbat, well, let's see about Maybe next week. Kashur, maybe next week. But we're busy right now. Okay, so. Hashem is part of us, we have to realize Hashem is part of us, and that explains the Hashgacha, <laughs> explains his awareness, explains his connection to us. He's right there, we just have to knock, we just, he's right there, he's right there in our minds. So it's interesting that we think Hashem is far away from us. He's right there. What does it say? Moshe Rabbeinu says in Pasha Netzavim, he's not far away across the sea, he's not in the heavens. It's right next to you. It's, it's very close to you in your mouth and in your heart. Mm-hmm. It's not far away. Hashem's not far away. It's, he's so close. You can talk to Hashem any time. You can, you can be around people and be talking to Hashem in your head. That's all. That is the Vekut. That is connected to Hashem. When a person connects to Hashem, they're talking to Hashem all the time. And that was the greatness of David Amelech. He was connected to Hashem all the time because he was persecuted. Tremendously persecuted. All the time persecuted. He has nowhere else to turn to. He turns to Hashem. And that's the safest bet you have. The safest bet you have is to turn to Hashem. Hashem is the most reliable of all your friends. Believe me. The most reliable of all the friends. Don't trust in richer people. He himself can't save himself. Right? So we trust in Hashem. He's the most reliable of our friends, really. Honestly. So it says there's a person had three friends. You know the story? A person had three friends. And uh, one friend he sees every day. And the second friend he doesn't see every day. He sees once a month. The other friend he sees once in a while. while. And he has a court case with the king. And he tells his best friend, can you come with me to the king? The friend says, I can't come with you. I have no way of coming to you. And the second best friend says, I'll come with you to the gates to the king. And the other one says, I'll come with you and argue with you. So he says, the, the least, the, the worst friend, the best friend is his money. He carries money with his pockets. And the guy dies. He's going to his great court case. And the money says, I'm sorry, I can't go anywhere. I'm, I'm stuck in your pocket. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> and then he says, the next best friend is his 
wife, children, family, relatives, come with me. He said, we can only come to the gate of the, of the palace, the grave. We can't come anymore. And his third best friend, the mitzvot, that a person does, says, I'll come with you and I'll argue for you. So we don't really realize who our best friends are. The truth is, if you can make Hashem your best friend, says no problem. It says, by linking, we just learned this on Monday nights. I don't know what happened to last Monday night. People didn't show up. But I gave the class anyway. It's available on uh, Torah anytime. So, uh, if a person clings to Hashem now, Hashem is in both worlds. Hashem is in this world. Hashem is in the next world. If you want a part of the next world, you have to be clinging to Hashem. How does a person become, become immortal? And the answer is because Hashem is immortal. If you link yourself to immortality, you'll get immortality. If you don't link yourself to Hashem, you know, no immortality. It's very simple. That's the key to entrance into Lama Bai, is linking to Hashem, who's immortal. Then you get immortality. So it's not just... It's, an, it's, interesting, it's interesting. It's not enough just enough to know Hashem. Because we don't know what no means. No means to know, we talk about. But it says, Adam knew his wife. What do you mean he knew his wife? He linked to his wife. That's what knowledge is. We have to link to Hashem, not just know Hashem. Knowing, knowing is loving, knowing is linking. Yes. So we can talk to Hashem in our heads. Why yes. are we told to verbalize out loud? Very good. Very excellent question. That's a very excellent question. So number one is, Rambam says, if you say a bracha in your head, it counts. But no one follows Rambam. No. It's interesting, very fascinating, right? Rambam says, if I say, in my head, it's valid. It's going yeah. to Rambam. I love Rambam. Shukran doesn't hold like that. What can I say? The majority of post-kim don't follow that opinion. They say you have to verbalize it. If you don't verbalize it, it doesn't count. And the answer is, to your question, is because actions, as the Sefer Chinuch we learned a few weeks ago, actions change a person more than thoughts. The actions we do and the words we say have more influence than us on us than the thoughts that we have. Interesting. This is, this is wild. It's called behavior modification. Mm-hmm. Right? The actions we have. So if I say nice words, but I act nasty, the actions count more than the words. If I think good thoughts, but I didn't verbalize them, I didn't bring them into this world. So by talking, we verbalize them, we bring them into this world. It's very fascinating. There are different worlds, different dimensions. And actions is this world. Speech is a higher level. And thoughts are even higher level. So thoughts are really beyond this world. Thoughts are beyond this world. We're not really affecting this world by our thoughts. I need to affect, not just affect the world's above, I need to affect this world. Tikkun Olama is this world. How do I affect this world? By saying good things, by praising God in this world, by actually saying things in this world, not in my head, it's a different world. Not just our prophets, but even just talking yes. to Hashem. Yes, so, so tefillah, the mitzvah of tefillah, for example, is verbalizing. So even though I'm linking myself to Hashem 24 hours a day, that, that's good. That's a different mitzvah. That's the mitzvah of clinging to Hashem. But there's another mitzvah of prayer. So could that mean a whisper? What? Linking uh, to Hashem? When you talk out loud, it doesn't have to be actually verbalizing sound. Could it be a whisper? A whisper is verbalizing. Wow. When you, as long as you hear what you're saying, that's all you do. That's all you need to do. To pray, no one has to hear you. you shouldn't, no one should hear you. You have to whisper to is yourself. Is it enough to mouth the words or something? You have to so Arizal says enough to mouth the words because you're doing an action. Arizal says you just mouth the words. You don't even have to hear and it. Shukhanah says, no, you have to hear it. There's a debate between Kabbalah and Pshat. So there's different levels. So, number one is, if there's no one around, and you know it helps you to say it loud for your own concentration, you can say it loud. The reason why we don't say our prayers loud is because we don't, we don't want to interrupt anyone else. I'm just trying to pray. If there's no one around, and you're in your own room, and you have trouble 
thinking, you can scream to yourself. Only trouble is you're not allowed to scream when you pray. Why? Because then you're saying, Hashem cannot hear me if, you don't, if I don't scream. <laughs> Hashem can hear you if you don't scream. Hashem can... So, it's not good to scream tefillah. It shows a lack of faith in a sense. But interesting, the Arizal says you shouldn't even verbalize even when you're alone. Mm-hmm. Highest level of tefillah, he says, is just by moving your lip mouth. And where do you learn from? Chana. He says, Chana was just moving her lips and the Kohen thought she was drunk. My question is, why did he think she was drunk? He didn't know how to pray. <laughs> it's a good question. It's a good brachot. So he knew how to pray. Obviously, he knew how to pray, but he didn't know you could pray quietly. He thought you actually had to say it loud. And so when he saw her lips moving and no sound coming out, he says, what is she doing? She must be drunk. No, she's praying. And then she rebukes him. She says, I'm a woman with a bitter heart, and I'm praying to Hashem. He said, yeah, you're praying to Hashem. You got very excited. He said, what are you praying for? He said, I'm praying for her child. You're going to be answered, he says. If you're praying like that, with that tefillah, with that kavanah, then you're going to be answered. And he blessed her. She had a son. Shmuel, the great Shmuel, Samuel. Okay, so, yeda, knowledge is not just theoretical. Knowledge is linking. That's what it means. It means that Adam knew his wife. doesn't mean he knew his wife. He had a relationship with his wife. He, he knew her, and the knowledge was the act itself. It's a knowledge of love. So that's how we have to know. Hashem knows us, we have to know Hashem. Of linking ourselves to Hashem. And this concept of Hashem's awareness is essential to the prayers of Rosh Hashanah, as we, we talked about. It says Hashem has an awareness. Hashem does not forget. Hashem knows everything. Because Hashem is all-powerful. It's like Google. Right? <laughs> Hashem is way more powerful than Google. Right? If Google knows what we're doing, how much more so Hashem knows what we're doing? Right? It's amazing today how... You know, when you read, uh, you read the, the, the Pirkei Avot few, uh, 50, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, there's an eye that sees and the ear that hears and everything's written down. You say, what's going on in here? What do you mean? How can the eye see me? And today, you know, the satellites in the sky looking at you. Your own phone is looking at you. It's amazing. It's very scary. If you have Alexa in your house, you better watch out. Every word you say is being recorded. And that's what the Mishnah says. Everything we say is recorded. Everything's done. Hashem has everything recorded. Where's he keeping all this information? It's in the clouds. <laughs> Now we can understand. We, it's amazing how the rabbis knew these things. Thousands of years ago, they're writing down these things. And the ancient man didn't have a vehicle to understand. You know that his book is the size of the entire... Bigger, galaxy. bigger, bigger. His book. Yeah, whatever. Hashem doesn't need a book. He showed it to me. It's very but whatever special. that means. Very yeah. The Torah, we have it. He records everything that's correct. The uh, concept of Hashem's awareness so it's essential. Amazing. Rabdessa says, our view of the universe is just through the peephole. What we can see is like, you're looking into a room through a peephole. That's what we see. Our sight is like limited in all sides. We can't see what's going on. We have no idea what's going on. We can only see one point at one time. And everything before that is past and present and every, ahead of us, a little bit, one time. Hashem is above that. Hashem can see the whole picture. Hashem is the only being that can see the whole picture. If you link to Hashem, Navi gets also that kind of picture. There are stories of after-death experiences. There's a rabbi, Rabbi Alon Anava, 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 Alon Anava. He writes about his story of after-death experience. <laughs> but he was doing drugs, so I don't know if you can. Okay. <laughs> but 
It was very, very fascinating, and how the soul separates from the body, and, and now he's he can see things. He can only just see what's around him, but he can even feel people's thoughts. Okay. And that's how Hashem feels people's thoughts. But Hashem is more than that. Hashem is inside people. Right. So obviously he gets much more. It's hard to understand, right? We're just starting to understand this. We're just starting to understand this. Science is catching up. Until science eventually can say, we know where the soul is, and the soul is a spark of God. And then, that's it. Everyone will be forced to acknowledge this God. So Hashem sees the end right at the beginning. Amazing. Hashem can see the end right at the beginning. So that's where we come in. How fast will the end come? Will we be part of it? Will we not be part of it? Are we trying to bring it? Are we not trying to bring it? That's our question. Every individual has their own issue. There's going to definitely going to be an end. We said Hashem is like the best chess player. Eventually it's going to be checkmate. But you can make as many moves as you want. You have free choice. But eventually, Hashem says, checkmate. Still going to win. Okay. It may be 20 years' time, maybe 50 years' time, maybe 200 years' time, maybe 1,000 times. Hashem has plenty of time. So time doesn't mean anything. But eventually, Hashem's going to win. There's no question. What does it mean Hashem's going to win? It means goodness and truth and justice will prevail. That's, it. That's how we believe. The world will eventually end on that note, on a good note. Okay, so that's Hashgacha. So now there's different kinds of Hashgacha. Yeah. There's general Hashgacha. Let's, oh, boy. Okay, we have to stop here. And we'll continue with Bezra Hashem next week. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.